And my, my inspiration for this was thinking about first night, right? In 2019, did anybody go to a first night celebration of any kind? Anyone? You mean no one was down in Times Square to stand in the pouring rain for seven hours? You didn't want to do that? Did you know they couldn't even wear, um, they couldn't even have an umbrella? Like you just had to take it like a man or like a lady, I don't know, and have your rain slicker, I say. My kids make fun of me for calling them slickers, but your rain jacket, I guess. But, you know, there's a lot of us that, why is it so exciting to think about turning a new year into 2019? Why is that? What, what's the appeal with that? Is it, is it because there's a reset button, so to speak, like the calendar changes from 18 to 19? How many of you love 2018? It was just one of your best years ever. Yeah, a few of you did. Yeah, some got married in 2018. That's a good reason to say that's a great year. But, you know, for some of us, maybe it's like, yeah, 2018, I just want to put it in my rear view. I want to move on. I want to start fresh. I want a new year. God, I want something new. I, I need a change. I need a difference in my life, right? So I, I want to start off by asking you some really personal and vulnerable questions. And, and I only ask you guys what I ask myself, all right? So, so I've already asked myself these questions. These are not for you to answer to anyone. You don't have to write your answers down, raise your hand, or anything. But do you ever find yourself doubting whether God's way is really best? Isn't that a hard question? Do you ever doubt that God's way is really the best way? Or do you ever wonder whether God's word may say something that, you know, you just really don't want to follow that because you'd rather just go do it your own way? Like, God, I see what your word says, but I'd rather just walk it my own way because it's too hard what you have. I've, I've asked myself those questions. I've had those doubts. If, if you've had those doubts or you've asked yourself those questions, I want to let you know you're not alone this morning because there was a first question that was asked, and that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. And, and we see this first question in, in uh, Genesis. So let's turn to Genesis 3, verse 1. So this is the story of, of Adam and Eve. They're in the Garden of Eden. And uh, we, we find in, in chapter 3, verse 1, that there's a, ser- a serpent, and in the story we know the serpent is, is Lucifer. He's Satan who's fallen from heaven. And it says in f- chapter 3, verse 1, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Did God really say, right, all doubt, all temptation starts with what you and I experience all the time. Did God really say that? Like, is God's way really best for me? Do I really have to look at his word and apply that word to my life? Is that really what God calls me to do? Or did God really say, see, the enemy wants us to come and think about that if you go a different way, it's going to be better. Like, how many times have you looked at Hollywood and you see the fame and you see the fortune and you see the way the stars live and you're like, you know, if I just had that, maybe I'd have more happiness and more peace and more joy in my life. Or, or maybe it's, it's much simpler than that. Maybe the struggle for obeying God's word, like me, comes to when, I'm, when I go to the refrigerator at night, not because I'm hungry, but just because I have lack of self-control, and I want ice cream because I love ice cream. Who loves ice cream? Isn't ice cream awesome? Yeah, thank you. But you know what? Too much of a good thing isn't a good thing, is it? Right? Sometimes we need self-control in our lives, and we have to, we have to learn that. God, God talks to us about self-control. Or have you ever been on Facebook and you, you look at 
the pictures and you start to scroll and you're like, everybody else goes and does cool stuff and has fun times. And you know what? We don't do cool stuff and we don't have fun times. And, and I wish my life was like someone else's life. You know what the reality is? That's just what they appear to look like on Facebook. You have no idea what it's like behind closed doors, right? But, but we always think the grass can look greener on the other side when the truth is this. The grass is greener where you water it. Think about that, right? My neighbor's grass looks green because he waters it. If I turn my sprinkler on and got my hose out, my grass would be green too. So Eve's first mistake here was she started conversing with the enemy. Did you know that God never intended and he never designed us as human beings to converse with the enemy? He designed us to converse with him. So part of why we fall into temptation is we're talking to the people, to a person we shouldn't be talking to. We should be talking and communing with our creator, but, but Eve finds herself, she's in the garden and she's talking to, to the serpent. So now let's look at what the response is in chapter 3, verse 2. This is what Eve says to, to the serpent's question. Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it, for if you do, you will die. So you must not eat it or touch it. You know, the, the enemy goes on now to take Eve's words and to fool her and say, you won't really die. Right? The serpent replies, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. You know that the enemy's temptations are the same back in the Garden of Eden and back today. Right? He's always trying to tempt you to say, there's a better way. Sin has no consequence. Don't worry. If you go down this path, you're going to have more love. You're going to have more joy. You're going to feel better. There's pleasure. You know what, guys? There's no free cheese in the mousetrap, if you're the first mouse, that is, right? Um, we, sin has consequences. God's paid the price for sin, but sin still has consequences. And how many times has the enemy come and tried to trick us with this lie? Don't worry, you could, you could disobey the word. There's not going to be a consequence. So for a minute, let's just contrast what God actually said to what Eve said he said. Okay, did you know that back in Genesis 2 is, is the words that God actually told told them. And it says this in 2.15, the Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. So that's what God said. You see on the, that's the right. You see on the left, what Eve said. Do you notice any differences? What's the difference? You can't even touch it. Eve, where'd you get that from? You just like love to embellish? Like, why did you say that you can't eat it and you can't even touch it? God just said you can't eat it. You know, so if I would look at the second thing here is sometimes we miss and we get tempted because we don't know what God's word was. We don't know what it says. Eve didn't know what God had said. She got it wrong. She, she's not just you can't eat it. She's, she's making up her own words here. You can't even touch it. Why? Why, Eve, would you do that? But you know what? It's not Eve's issue because look at 2.15. Who was God talking to in the garden when he said this? It says he placed the man in the garden and the Lord warned the man. And if you read the rest of chapter 2, Eve wasn't even created yet. So who told Eve what God said? Only one person, Adam did. 
And all the women said, leave it to a man to communicate incorrectly, right? Yeah, that's what happened. Sometimes I resemble that remark, I'll be honest with you. Um, but you know, the, the most amazing thing here is that, okay, Adam needed to tell Eve what God said, but they both got it wrong. And you know what? They, they both were there in the garden. So, so I, I want to read something to you. This will blow your mind if you've never read Genesis chapter 2. Right? It, it says this in verse... Um, uh, let me find it in my notes. I can't believe I can't find it. It's, it's, it's escaping me. All right, so I'll have to just tell you what it says. Um, so in, after... When Eve, when Eve takes the fruit in Genesis 3, right? And she says, wow, this tastes good. It says, and she turned to her husband, Adam, who was with her. And he gives him, she, he gives him the fruit. She gives him the fruit too. So Adam was with Eve as this whole thing was going down. Adam's watching Eve get into a conversation with enemy. What does Adam do? Nothing. Adam hears Eve talking Sees Eve go, gets the fruit, never, never like, hey, Eve, wait a minute, can, can we talk for a minute? Could you come over here? I need to talk to you. Like, Adam does nothing. And, you know, I look at that and I say, Adam, you wimp, what the heck? Like, why did you stay silent? But don't sometimes we as men stay silent when we see stuff going on? And, and God, God has put us as men responsible for our family, that we would speak up, that we would, we would see a situation and we would rise up and say, God, help me be the man you've called me to be, that I'm not going to let my family go down this path of temptation. I'm going to call it out and I'm going to say, hey, wait a minute, let, let's have a conversation here. Can we talk about this? But instead, Adam just lets Eve go and Eve takes the fruit and she gives it to Adam and Adam's like fat, dumb, and happy, takes a bite of the apple. It could have all been prevented if Adam was the man. And, and, and if Eve had listened to what God really said and if Adam was, was correctly communicating. So what are some takeaways in this? God speaks to Adam. Adam tells Eve. Eve enters into a conversation, should have never really done that. Adam and Eve both get fooled by Satan to think that there is no consequence. It's not just an Eve thing. It's an Adam and Eve thing that they both get fooled into that. So why did Adam and Eve give in to the temptation? What was it about the enemy's lie that caused them to get into the temptation? And what is that same lie to us? Right? And, and that lie is this, that there's something better that God's not telling you about. Right? If you do this, you'll actually find something better. You know what, God? God is the prince of peace, and he wants to give you that peace. God wants you to live life to the fullest because he is the way of life. He's the, the way, the truth, and the life. So why is it that we think the enemy, why, why would we believe him? It says that he's the father of all lies. That should be our first clue that what he's telling us isn't the truth. But you know what? Here's the other thing that I take away. If, if this is what God said to Adam and Eve, how much did it matter what God said? It mattered a whole lot. And now I ask myself the same question and I want to ask you the question, does it matter what God says? Does, does it really matter? I mean, is that a reason for you to, to change course or to think about something differently or to, or to do something in a, in a different way because of what God would say? Does that matter to you? Because that's the fundamental question is, what, does what God say, does it, does it matter to us? So if I were to springboard off of that and look ahead now to 2019, I could say, all right, the Bible is God's word. I know that. 
But then I have to ask, how well do I know what the Bible says? Am I like Eve, where I kind of get it, but I kind of don't? I'm kind of throwing these things out. Oh, do you know the Bible says blah, blah, blah? And I'm just really kind of making it up because I've never really read it and I don't really know what it says, but I kind of heard from a third person sometime maybe, oh, that's not, that's not good ground to stand on. How well do I know the Bible? Is the Bible important to me? So, you know, if I look forward to 2019 just on a personal note, I'm taking a step that I've never taken before, and I signed up to run a marathon in May. Now, that's awesome. I've run two half marathons already, but, like, this is double a half to run a full marathon. Now, as I, as I looked forward to should I sign up, should I not sign up, right, I, I had a long discussion with my daughter, Hannah, because we've run two halves together for the past two years, and it's like, Hannah, I've always had a dream to run a marathon before I get old. Newsflash, I'm getting pretty close. So this might be my year now that I've run two halves to run a full. Hannah, do you want to run a full? Oh, Dad, that's a lot of running. Like, I don't know if I'm into that. So we had this conversation going back and forth, and yes, I I convinced her. I kind of turned it a little bit and said, Hannah, come on, I need you. I'm going to be in Pittsburgh that weekend. Like, what, are you going to run the half and I'm going to run the full? Who's going to encourage me when we get to mile 20? So she signed up. And then we got my son Dan to sign up. So the three of us are going to run the marathon. Dan kind of doesn't count because he's already done ultra marathons in South Africa for 55 miles. So like running 26 is nothing to him. Running 26 is a big deal. How many of you would think you want to sign up for a marathon this year? Not too many hands. Couple. All right. We got a hand. Yes. We got another hand. You know what? Would you sign up without counting the cost? Like it's an 18-week preparation. Like guys, I'm legit planning my life around running marathon in some ways. You know, after service, I've got a food pantry board meeting for a couple of hours, and I've, on my schedule, on my little Excel spreadsheet, because that's what I do, I've got to run eight miles today. Because if I don't run eight today, and I don't run three the next day, and five the next day, like, how am I going to do nine next week and ten the week after? Like, you've got to follow the plan. Otherwise, what's going to happen? You're going to get injured. You won't run the race. You paid all that money for nothing. So you know the importance of a plan. Now, if I can know the importance of that plan, so how important is it for me to say, God, I want your word to be a priority in my life. God, I want to count the cost of what does it take for your word to be a priority in my life. I'm reorganizing my life to make sure I can run. I brought running clothes so right after here, I can, right after the meeting, I can run here so that when I get home, it might be dark. You know, I want to make sure I'm running in the daylight and being safe. I'll reorganize my life for something as ridiculous as running a marathon. But do we reorganize anything to say, God, your word is important to me. I want to get into your word. Here's why we know God's word is important. Let's look at what what God's word meant to Jesus. But as I say that, let me just make this point. I make time for what's important. You make time for what's important. If there's no time in your day to read the word, it's just because it's not important. Right, I, I see moms with little babies. Right, if that baby cries in the middle of the night, guess what mom does? They wake up and they go tend to their baby. The baby's crying during the day and they're sleeping or, or they're doing whatever. They're going to stop what they're doing. Why? Because that baby is the most important thing in their life. If you've got a job, you don't just snooze through your alarm and say, I don't think I'm going to work today or tomorrow or the next day. No, you, you know that's important. You need to go to work. Why? Because you make time for what's important. We'll all make time for what's important. I'll make time to run. But do we make time for God's word? This is how we know why it's important. Let's look at what Jesus did. 
So Jesus goes into the wilderness after he's water baptized by John the Baptist. He's in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights with no food and no water, I don't think, either. So the devil comes and tempts him three times. And this is the last temptation we find in Matthew 4, 8. Next, the devil took him, took Jesus, to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. Jesus, I'll give it all to you, he said, if you'll just kneel down and worship me. And this is what Jesus' response is. Get out of here, Satan, for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. This was the third temptation that Jesus had, and in each one... Jesus was able to tell the enemy, this is what the scripture says. The scripture says this, Satan. It wasn't the, hey, what are you thinking? How's it going today, little uh, serpent guy? You know, like Jesus didn't get into a conversation. He just gave him the word and, and went on. So why do you and I give in to temptation when Jesus never gave in to temptation? Because he knew the word better than you and I do. That's why. If we knew the word and we could, we could come with, hey, Satan, get behind me because this is what God's word says, that would be our strength. 1 Corinthians 10 says this, there's no temptation, but that's common to man. Jesus was a man. He was God made flesh, but he was a man. He wasn't, he wasn't sinless because he was God. He was sinless because he was a man who knew the word of God. And he, when the devil came and tempted him, he came, came to the devil with the word of God. So what would it look like for you and I to be like Jesus in this scenario, right? How, how would we get started in, in learning God's word and knowing God's word better? You know, with all honesty and frankness, I can only tell you this. Any important thing in your life starts with a decision, right? You, you decide you're going to start a job, and you know what? You make a commitment to that job that you're going to be there if it's 9 o'clock, you'll get there at 9. If it's 5 in the morning, you'll be there at 5 in the morning. You're going to work overnight. You'll work overnight because why? You made a decision. I need this job. Yes, I'm signing on, right? Think about something important in your life. It started with a decision, right? That, okay, I'm, I'm focusing on this. This is what I need to do. So if you want to spend time with God, if you want to grow in your relationship with God, it starts with a decision. You know, why did I decide to, to, to run a marathon, well, one, I think it looks really cool if you get that 26.2 on the back of your car. Like, wouldn't that be amazing? Huh? Who doesn't want that 26.2 on the back? You, you, you all could probably leave it, but you're going to see one on the back of my car when I'm done running this marathon. Um, but you know what? It, it was the decision that I made that, okay, this is, this is important to me. I, this has been a lifelong goal that I could do something. I want to achieve this goal. But, but I got a spiritual twist for you. This is what James 1, 2 says. It says, in any kind of trouble... It's an opportunity for joy. And then it goes on to say, because when you fall into the trouble, it creates an endurance. When we're tested, there's an endurance that we learn. And when we mix that endurance with faith, something amazing happens. That's James 1.3. And I'm like, God, I, I know what faith is. I know what endurance is. But I want to learn how to stretch myself even physically to learn more about endurance. Because there's something spiritual I'm looking for here, God. I'm running those long runs. Show me how to spiritually have endurance. I don't, know that, I don't know that I really know what that means. So there's more than just, okay, I want the 26.2. That sounds great. But I've been looking. You've heard me talk about James 1.2 all last year with all the different problems I had and, and James 1.3. God, I want to see how do faith and endurance come together. As I look at something physically, maybe I can see a spiritual connection in that. I'm on a quest. But just as I would st- make a decision for a marathon and know I need a plan you know what? I'll, I will tell you, if you're not successful in reading your Bible, I could probably tell you why. Because you don't have a plan. 
And maybe there's other reasons too, but I think having a plan is super important. Now, every time I've talked about having a plan, someone comes up to me afterwards and says, hey, I, I'm very consistent and I don't have a plan. And, and I, I love hearing about successes. In fact, my son Dan, when he was training for the ultramarathon, he just decided on a win. I think I'll run a marathon today. But he had been running all along, but he just signed up day of and walked on and ran 26.2. Some of us can do that. That's like the 0.1%. If you want to be consistent in growing in your faith and reading the Bible, I don't know how, to, how else to do it except if, to have a plan and to follow the plan. Right? I, I, there's probably other, other examples in your life you can look at where a plan was necessary to get you where you wanted to get to. You know, and the thing, let, let's think about the beginning of January. A lot of people will have a fitness goal, and, and what do they do? They join a gym. Does joining a gym make you fit? No, in fact, you know, a lot of fitness clubs, they'll bring in equipment for the beginning of January to, to host all the people that are going to come, knowing that in two weeks they can ship it back to the guy they leased it from because all these people are going to stop coming. So, so joining the gym, just deciding that, hey, I'm, I'm going to join a gym, that doesn't get you anywhere. You actually have to go to the gym. And you go to the gym when you're like, okay, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, I'm going to change my calendar. I'm going to go, going to wake up early. I'm going to do this. Like, you change your life around and you make room. Why? Because it's important. But, but having a plan isn't enough. You have to, you'll have to execute on the plan. See what I'm saying? Right? You can see the natural, and I'm, I'm trying to make the spiritual connection. You've you got to have a plan. Now, if you've been to high school or you've been to college, I don't know anyone that was a successful student and just sat in class with their arms folded and never wrote, a, never wrote a thing down on a piece of paper, right? It took me a lot of time to take my notes and to rewrite my notes and go over my notes and study just to kind of get mediocre grades, you know? But, and then you got to work harder to get good grades. But if I'm going to sit down and I'm going to read God's Word and expect that, that I'm in a relationship, He's going to say something to me, you know, it's like when E.F. Hutton speaks, I want to listen. God, if you're saying something to me, I want to write it down. So I just have a little notebook. You could call it a journal, but it's just a notebook. And I, I put down the date, and as I get into my reading, if I find a verse I like, I write down a verse, I write a thought. That's all I do. Pretty simple. But I'm going to take notes, because if God is saying something, I want to remember what he said. I want to take it with importance. So I, I take notes. And now lastly, very simple. I like to find friends, because I, I know that with this marathon thing, engaging with Hannah is really helping. So, so I'm preparing my message yesterday, and I get this text from Hannah. Dad, I think the intermediate plan is too much. We should switch back to the beginner plan. I stop everything, call her up at 10 in the morning. Hannah, what are you talking about? Like, what's going on? Dad, did you look at this plan in week 13? We're running 20 miles in 13 and 20 miles in 15. I don't think I can run 20 miles twice. I'm like, Hannah, that's 13 weeks from now. Don't worry about it. Just run your eight tomorrow, your five today, and you're good. We'll talk about it in week 10. So, like, we can have this encouragement going back and forth because we're doing this together. I'm not, she's not with me, but she's in Pittsburgh running, and I'm here running, and we can encourage one another. It's amazing when we can do that in reading the Bible, too. So this is where small groups are perfect. So most small groups start with some kind of dessert or some kind of food, chit-chat, how was your week? Here's a good question to ask. How are you doing in your Bible reading plan? God showing you anything? Like, what plan are you reading? Here's the plan I'm reading. Hey, maybe, maybe we could get together sometime, and, and how about I just text you a takeaway, you text me a takeaway. We'll be accountable to one another. 
So I, I've gone after, I'm in a texting group that I've created for this year. People doing the same plan as me. I, I know that they're, they're legit into it. And we're texting each other most days. Hey, this is, this is the verse that I liked. Now, we don't do it every day, and that's okay. But, you know, when my phone's blowing up and I haven't put something in, uh, it's kind of a little motivation. Maybe I should be putting my thing in. Oh, yeah, I got to get to what's my takeaway for today. So it's awesome to get into God's Word, but it's better to take something out of God's Word. How, how many of you have ever felt, okay, I, I want to start reading the Bible, and you start, you have all the best intentions, and then you fall flat on your face? That ever happened to anybody? I, I got to put both hands up on that. Because I've fallen flat so many times. But here's the deal. So if I miss breakfast, what happens by the time I get to lunch? I'm starving. And if I miss lunch too, what happens by the time I get to dinner? I'm, I could eat a cow. Why didn't any of you say you feel shame because you forgot to eat? Do you? No, I don't feel shame. I don't, I don't feel like, oh, I'm a bad person because I forgot to eat lunch today. No, I'm like, where's dinner? Where's the beef I want to eat? Right? So, so getting into God's word is the same way. Do you, think it, do you think you could come on a Sunday morning and have one big meal, and that's going to last you for the rest of the week? <laughs> it really won't. You can't do that in life, and, and God connects our natural life and our spiritual life in Matthew 4 when he says, man can't live by bread alone but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So why would we think we'd just have one mega meal a week and that would take us through the week? We can't. we got to eat every day. got to eat three times a day. Now, I'm not saying you got to read your Bible three times a day, but if you're not reading your Bible every day, I'm like, how are you going to survive spiritually? You're just, you can't do it. And there's no shame if you miss breakfast or lunch. You're just hungrier for dinner, right? And, and, and you move on. So it's, it's pretty simple at the end of the day, but, but why is it so hard? Why have I failed for so many years? Here's why I've failed. Because the enemy knows it's really important. And he's going to do everything he can to stop me from getting into God's word because getting into God's word is going to change my life. It'll change your life. Don't let the enemy win. Find a friend. Get, get engaged with someone, and, and you'll be successful this year. It'll be a different year. So here's a practical suggestion. I've talked about plans. It's like, okay, I could show you what my, my running plan looks like, but you probably don't care. This one may be more useful to you. This is a, an app on, on a smartphone. Whether you've got a Google phone or an iPhone, you go into your app store, you can search Holy Bible. You'll find a bunch, but you want the one that says Holy Bible. There's others that just say Bible. It's not the real deal. This one is the best one I've found. If you don't have this app, I'm encouraging you, consider downloading it. And I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end of the service where someone can help you if you don't already have this thing downloaded. There's been people that have come to my small group and we'll, we'll get into a conversation. I'm like, here, give me your phone. Let me help you, let me help you get you on this app. And, and you know what? It's just a, a couple of minute deal. And now all of a sudden, like, they're, they're engaged. They got a plan. They know what to do. Like, they're ready to go. They could sign up for a 5K now. You know, they're, they're, ready, to, they're ready to rock and roll. So once you get the app, the next thing you have to do is this is the way it looks when you come up. You see on the bottom, you've got the home, you've got the read, you've got the plans. It'll come up on the home screen. You click, click the plans, and then you go to the top, and you search to find a plan, and then hit the search bar. And all kinds of suggestions will come up. You can see the one I'm doing this year. It's called Bible in One Year, 2019. There's a number of, of plans that'll take you through the year chronologically and whatnot. You know, but it's not enough. I can't, I can't give you all the explanation I, right now. 
but I can after service, and I'm going to make a way that, that anyone that's got a question will get their question answered. So let's talk about some next steps. I think it's important this morning that we settle one thing. Is a relationship with God important to us? You know, so I, I mentioned earlier when I got up here that, okay, in that second song we were talking about we're running towards God, and I really felt like there's somebody here this morning, you're running in the wrong direction. I don't know how else to tell you that, but it's like, turn around. You're running the wrong way. But for some of us, we're not running towards God. We're kind of doing this. And God wants us to run towards him. He doesn't want us to walk. He doesn't want us to skip. He doesn't want us to pick daisies on the side of the road. He wants us to run towards him. So if we're not running, here's why we're not running. We've never really settled this first question. Is God really important to me? Because you make time for what's important. I don't know how else to say it. That's just the truth. We make time for what's important, so settle. Is relationship with God important? So why do I say relationship? Because, you know, you don't read the word of God to get check marks and badges and stars and, 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 and gold stickers. You read, the God of word, you read the word of God because that's how you grow in a relationship with him. God, God desires relationship. We as human beings desire relationship. And the way we grow in our relationship is we actually get into his word and we spend time with him. You, we know that you couldn't have a dating relationship. You couldn't have a marriage relationship if you never talked if you never spend time. And it's no different with, with God. You've got to spend time with him. So settle. Is a relationship with God something important to you? And then if it is, make a decision to prioritize reading God's word and spending time with him in prayer. It will change your life. I'm, I'm being totally serious when I say it will change your life to spend time with God in prayer. Your 2019 will look nothing like your 2018 if you get more into God's word. I, I just guarantee it to you, and I know there's many here that would say the same thing. So if I were to ask you this question, do you want to grow closer to God, and would you, would you say to God, God, I either want to be consistent or be more consistent or start to become consistent in reading your word, what would you say? Would you say yes to that question? So if you would say yes to that question, God, I want to get into your word. I want to start. I want to be more consistent. God, I'm already in your word. I want to remain consistent. If you would say yes to any one of those questions, I'd like you just to stand to your feet for a minute. And it's okay if you don't. But if you, if you say, God, you're important to me, and I want to start. I want to get into your word, or I'm in your word, and I want to remain in your word. Stand up. So look, guys, you're not alone. There's a lot of us that could be helping each other out in this whole reading God's word thing. So now, I was telling you I was going to give you very practical help. If you've never downloaded that app and you're like, I'd like to learn how to download that app, I can't talk to 50 of you after service. I can probably talk to one or two of you. But you know what? I know there's people out here. And if you're one of these people, if you've got the app on your phone and you use it regularly and you'd be willing to show someone after service for a couple of minutes how to get that app on their phone, would you raise your hand? All right, so, so now you don't have to say there's a line waiting for Greg. Keep your hand up, please. You don't have to say, uh, he's too busy. Pastor's too busy. I can't come up. You're seeing all these people here. Notice, notice whose hands are raised. You can go to them after service, and they will take a couple of minutes and help you get engaged. All right, you can put your hands down. Thank you very much. So isn't that awesome? Like, you can all get help today. Now, maybe you're like me a few years ago, and you're like, Bible app? I'm not reading the Bible on some stupid app. I only, want, I only want the hard copy Bible. 
All right, is there anyone here standing that you read the hard copy Bible and you'd be willing to show someone else what you do and how you do it right after service? Would you raise your hand? Okay, we got one in the back, fewer and far between. One over there. Anyone else over here? One over here reads the hard copy Bible. So you know what? If you don't like apps, you don't have a smartphone, see, see her, see him. Over here, we got some other hands. Keep your hands up. Take a look around. So, all right, you can put your hands down. Stay standing, though. So I'm making a way for all of you to find out how do I get a plan? How do I get engaged? How do I learn from someone else? You can do this. I know you can. I'm, I'm going to be your biggest cheerleader in reading God's word. You know why? It's going to change your life. It will change your life. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's going to change my life. All right, now you can sit down. Now you can sit down. Thank you. Yes, you can say something. You can all sit down. Ed's got, Ed wants to interrupt here. So um, here's, as Greg said, here's the deal. So I, I went up to a person I know this morning after this message, and he had raised, he had stood up, but he didn't raise his hand, so I knew he needed one. So I went up to him and I said, hey, do you want me to help you download this on my phone, on your phone? He said, no, I don't, I don't do electronics. And I said, okay, so you can read. So we got talking, and what I found out was he's a horrible reader. He couldn't read very fast at all. So he knew it would probably take him an hour a day to, to get through. And I said, oh, do you know about this Bible app? You can actually listen to it. So on, the, on that app that Greg talked about, you can actually click a button and listen to the Word of God. Well, he lit up like a, a Christmas tree and said, oh, I would do that. So if you're here today and you would say, hey, I'm not a big reader. I don't read really well. You can get on this app and literally click and listen to the Bible every day, about 15 minutes, and it's just a great way to do it if you don't like to read. All right. Give it up for P. Eddie. P. Eddie, he's the man. <laughs> he's the man. Um, so I'll give, you a, I'll give you a last challenge here. So consider engaging someone after service. But, you know, for those of you that are in a small group or if you're not in a small group, we encourage you to get in small groups because I think this is a wonderful way for us to be talking about what are you reading? What are you engaging in? What are you, what are you taking away? Because you know what? I know when I was dating my wife, I would love to tell my other friends how things were going in my relationship with my wife or, or my girlfriend at that point, right? Because why? It was filling up my boat. And when they'd hear about it, like we'd talk about it and we'd share ideas and thoughts about what we could do on the next date and that kind of stuff. It's great to talk with other people about how you're growing in your relationship. You do that in a small group. That's why we encourage small groups. They're starting in two weeks. So let me end with this scripture in Lamentations. It says in Lamentations 3, 22 and 23, The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each year. No, it says each morning. Each morning, God's mercies are new for me. Each morning, today is a new day. You don't have to worry that it's not January 1st. Today is a new day. Tomorrow is a new day. Like at any point in time, you don't need to wait for the turn of a year to be a reset. You can have a reset today. So I want to ask you this question. Have you ever felt like in 2018, man, worry ate my lunch. Anxiety just killed me. I was depressed. Bad things happened to me. Like I, I was abused. I was anxious. I was beaten up. I want a do-over in 2019. Anybody want a do-over? Because today can be your do-over day. Every day can be your do-over day. 
if you come to God because his faithfulness is great and his mercies are new for you today. So here's the deal. When we have bad things that happen to us, right, we kind of come out of this regret. And I, I regret some things that happened in 2018. But if I take a left turn out of regret, I fall into depression. I take a right turn towards God's word and you know what? I start to get on this path for my life and I'm back on track. The question is, which way are you going to turn coming out of 2018? Are your regrets going to fuel you into depression and a deeper sinking? Or are you going to say, no, I'm going to turn towards God's word. And God, I'm going to do it your way. Some of us, we're not living how we need to be living. And maybe you don't even know how you need to be living. Well, get into God's word. It'll show you how. But I can tell you this. It's not my effort to say, God, I want to start living right. And I'm going to do this and do that and start a checkbox. No, I just bring it to God and say, God, I need your strength. God, I'm weak. I'm human. But God, you can fill me. Show me how I do this right. Lord, when I mess up, help me apologize quickly. Help me come back to you fast. Like I I love this saying, if I mess up, I'm going to get up. I'm not going to stay down for days and weeks and say, oh, I can't read the Bible because I sinned. No, I'm going to confess my sin. I'm going to get right back onto it and say, God, I need you. You know what? There's days where I, I may miss. I'll tell you what I do. If I know I got a busy day coming up, I try to read ahead because I hate missing. That's just how I'm wired. I'm a results-driven guy. But if you miss, you know what? There's no guilt. There's no shame. Just get hungry. The Bible app has this great feature. It's called Catch Me Up. So if you miss a bunch of days and you're feeling overwhelmed like I can't go read three days, just go catch me up. Bloop. And it puts you right on today and you're ready to go and you don't feel like you've missed anything. Someone can show you that if you don't know how to do it. But that's an awesome feature. So God's mercies are new for us today. And his faithfulness is great. So let me just tell you one story and then we'll close. I went to a Celtics game this past week with my three boys. It was a Christmas present I gave to them, right? And, and while we're watching the Celtics, and they just totally trounced the Timberwolves. It was an awesome game. It was like shooting practice. You know, they're just sinking threes and the Celtics were on fire. But there were times, even for the Celtics, where like, it was just a flagrant foul that they committed. Like, you see the replay, you see the foul on the replay, and this is what the player does. Like, what? It was me? Like, I didn't commit that foul. Like, I'm seeing it on the replay. How can you tell me you didn't do it? Like, you clobbered the guy's hand as he was going up. But have you ever seen the basketball players where, like, they commit a foul and they do one of these? Like, they just raise their hand, like, yeah, that, that's on me. I, I, know, I, I know I killed you. Like, I shouldn't have done that. Or I meant to do it, and, and I'll take the foul gladly. You didn't score the points, right? They just raise their hand. They're like, yeah, I know I did it. Which kind of a player do you want to be in 2019? Are you the, what? I didn't do that when you know full well you did it. Or are you going to be like, yeah, you know what? I haven't been consistent in God's word. I'll own up to that. But God, I want you to make me consistent. God, help me. God, put people around me. God, show me. It's up to you as soon as we close this service, if you're going to walk up to someone else who had their hand raised and you didn't and say, hey, show me, show me what you're doing. Give me some advice. All right, let's stand together as we close in prayer. God, we want to be faithful to you this morning. God, we, we want to grow in our relationship with you, God, and there's nothing... There's nothing that will help us grow like spending time with you and spending time in your word. So, Lord, for all those that stood today and said they want to grow in their relationship with you in 2019, Lord, if they're not consistent in the word, I pray they'd reach out to someone that raised their hand. God, and and I pray that as a community together, we could help one another, Lord, grow in you. Lord, there's there's no... 
I can't even imagine how strong Shiloh would be in what you do through this church if we were all reading your word and, and engaged and listening to you and hearing things from you, God, and, and just having your heart as, as we go out and minister. Lord, I just can't even imagine the city would be turned upside down. So, God, would you help us? Lord, we, we need your help. We're, we're frail. We make mistakes. We say yes when we, don't, when we don't mean it sometimes. But, God, we don't want to be like those basketball players that, that did the foul and don't own up to it. Lord, we're owning up to our mistakes this morning. Lord, we're saying, God, we, we want to start new. Your mercies are new for us. They're fresh for us this morning. God, we take hold of those mercies. And Lord, we say, this is the year we're going, to be, we're going to become consistent, Lord, because we've got a plan. We've got friends we can engage with. Lord, we know what we're doing and how to get there. So I, I pray for your people. Give them your strength, Lord. Bless each one, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need prayer for anything, please come forward. We'd love to pray with you. Otherwise, have a great day. And remember, YWAM next Sunday. Be on time.